You're listening to The Man Maker Show. Welcome to Season 1 with your host, Brad Walgamont. This podcast is all about becoming a better man for ourselves and the people around us. So if you enjoy this episode, whether you're on your way to work or mowing the lawn, make sure to share this with somebody, like, and subscribe. Well, I hope you're ready, because here we go. Welcome to the Man Maker Show, Brad Wolgamont, coming to you live from San Juan, Puerto Rico. I hope you are doing incredible. Thanks for joining in today. Got a great message to share with you. I'll try to be short and succinct as usual. I'm trying to keep these around 20, 25 minutes. I know you're busy, so am I. But I'm proud of you being in the education zone of your life, deciding to, to lean in, to learn, to be better, to be bolder, to increase your capacity so that you can help and impact more people's lives. We need more people like this. That's why we call this the Man Maker Show. We're really about helping men become men, help you become better leaders, better fathers, better grandfathers, better brothers, better uncles, better mentors in your community, better coaches, better employees, better employers. How do you become better? You know, the reality is, is that's how we measure life is money is like a, a measurement of our effectiveness in adding value. And if you're not making enough money, then increase your value. I was looking at inflation numbers the other day. It's a big topic in today's conversation, certainly around election seasons is always a big talk because it's a measurement of uh, uh, evidently how the government's done or something. But the reality is, is that the, the, the Fed wants to keep inflation around two to 4%. And they want wage increase to be around the same. So an average person is gonna get a two to 4% raise <laughs> to keep up with the economy. That's called COLA, cost of living allowance. Now, I don't know about you, but I am in no way interested in having a 2 to 4% increase. The only way I'm gonna get a greater than 2 to 4% raise in my life is increase my value to a point where an employer needs to pay me more or I do such a good service as an employer that my company can charge more money at a greater rate than the growth of the economy. This is our measurement. You know, in a capitalistic society, which we are blessed to live in, where we have free enterprise, the opportunity to own a business, run a business, build a business, start a business, close a business, move a business, we're free. Now, obviously there's a lot of government control and a lot of in, uh, issues that are kind of impeding some of that freedom, but the, frankly, we're still the freest country in the world, in my opinion. So we have an opportunity to increase our wealth by increasing our value. You have to understand that. If you do not increase your value, you will not increase your wealth. And to expect to make more money for doing less is ridiculous. I think one of the big hot topics I've heard lately is people asking for tips at fast food places. This morning, I went down to a little coffee shop to get a, a little pastry and a coffee, and they flipped the thing around and asked me to give them a, a, a tip, right? I have to fill my own coffee. They grab a, a little muffin, put it in a bag, and hand it. I'm like, you're paid to do that job. Why in the world would I, would I tip non-service? But it's the entitlement mindset. Young people are being taught you should be tipped for everything. No, you show up to work, you do your job, you get your paycheck. That's it. If you want to increase value, then increase. If you want to increase your money, increase your value, increase your service, increase your impact. I, I really want you to embrace this. So I'm going to talk about four quotients today that I think you really need to dial in on. Some are more important than others, but I think personality groups are drawn to different types of quotients. It's IQ, EQ. AQ and RQ. And we all know the term IQ, and some of you may have studied these before, but it's really been hitting me lately that people, they may understand the words, but they're not working on increasing their score. When I was in high school, 
I had to take a thing called an SAT. Most of you had to do that as well. They might have something new now, but it was basically an intelligence score. And if you tested well and you got a good enough SAT, then you got into certain colleges. Well, I remember showing up to mine. I didn't even know what an SAT was. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what it was. I was just told to go to this high school, you know, 30 miles away and show up and take a test. I'm like, okay. And I, I don't know if you get an F on it, but it had to be pretty low to an F because I had no idea 90% of the questions. But I got my score back, and of course I sent it to colleges, because that's what you're supposed to do, and no one accepted me. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. So they sent me up to retest, and I didn't do any better the second time. My IQ was very low. For a while there, I let that impact me. I let, that, I let them think, man, my value in life must be low because my IQ is low. And the reality is, as a kid, I was dyslexic. And I, I guess to that matter, I still am. But I've, I've learned to overcome this. I don't, consider, I don't label myself, and I don't recommend that you label yourself. But my IQ was, was, was low as a result of my inability to retain information in a chalkboard, marker board, presentation format. Now I've learned if I read it and write it and journal it and have conversation about it, my retention is extremely high, but I had to learn how to learn. So in the second grade, my mom came to me, bless her heart, and said, Bradley, we have a special school for you. I'm like, that sounds good. What do you mean? Well, you're a very special boy, and so there's a special place for special boys like you. I mean, you're kidding me. Really? They have a school for someone like me? That's awesome. Thanks, Mom. And so I got on the little bus, right? I went to this little school called Rich Whitman in, in um, Edmonds area of Washington State, and I went to a, a special education program. Now, I thought it was just special. My mom was so brilliant. She never branded me as being slow or dumb. I couldn't write my name. I, I did. I, my letters were backwards. Um, I definitely had ADD and uh, attention deficit type things. But thank God they weren't branding people. I meet so many young people today. Oh, I have ADD. I'm like, that's garbage. You know, you might, but how about you don't? How about you decide what you are? Don't let anybody else put a, a label on you in any way whatsoever. You are what you are based on what you decide to be. <coughs> and if you don't like the way you are, <coughs> then just change. Make some adjustments, read some books, learn, add value. So my IQ is based upon my ability to score. And then some people, you know, you end up with a job where maybe, maybe your testing wasn't the case, but you're definitely based upon your intelligence. And, and most jobs, are, are built around the idea of your intelligence in that area, engineering and so forth. You need to have a level of intelligence. The downside to the IQ scenario, and every, every scenario has a downside, <clears throat> but the downside to the IQ is that you end up usually working for people that have a high EQ, meaning the ability to get along with people, the intelligence quotient, in my opinion, predominantly is trumped by the EQ, the emotional quotient, your ability to connect the dots and ideas, your ability to work with people, your ability to create culture and community. Because without a doubt, culture trumps talent. And we'll talk about that more in a later, but you could have a group of incredibly talented people. But if culture's not right, they don't function either. You can have a group of very intelligent people, but they can't communicate, nothing gets done. It's the people that have ability to create community, to get along with people, to help other people get along, to create an environment <clears throat> where the best in each individual is brought up. And you've seen that in sports where the, or the objective is, I wanna bring out the greatest talent in each of these players and they're all different. I think it was Lombardi said, I had to find 52 ways to motivate 52 different men. 
He had, an, he had an EQ that was so high that he recognized there were 52 stories, 52 men, 52 different backgrounds, 52 different experiences. They all need to be communicated with differently. And if you don't have an EQ, it kind of bothers you. It's like, what are you talking about? What do I mean? I got I to gotta change me to communicate with you? No, I'm just going to be me. And it's a real stubborn thing that people dig on. Well, it's just the way that I am. Okay. You know, no one's going to force you to do anything, but if you can't get along with people, if you can't develop the, uh, an, an intelligence about communicating with different styles, different parties, we live in a two-party system for the most part in America, Republicans and Democrats, they can't get along. They, 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 there's hardly any cross-party voting. It's just this super hardcore, I'm like this, you're like this, and we don't think alike, so whoever has more people wins the vote every time. And it's stupid. Because we don't, we don't get anything done. We have to look across the aisle and say, why do you think that way? Help me to understand. If, if, if I have the intelligence to dig in and say, why do you think that way? Then there's a chance that they might ask the same question to me. No guarantee. And they may not ask me that. But there's no way they'll ask me what I think and why I think the way I think if I don't first ask them. People don't care what you know until they know what you care. Oldest saying in the books, but what does it mean? I need to show you first that I care. And the way I care is with my ears, not my mouth. I learn to listen. And this is an, an emotional quotient skill. To learn how, and, I'll, and I'm gonna do a, a full episode on IQ, EQ, AQ, and RQ, but just understand that saying, well, that's just the way that I am, is not okay. Well. You can do what you want. It's not, I'm not the judge of morality here. I'm just saying, I don't think you're going to get very far. You won't be able to increase your value if you don't increase your ability to communicate with people on both on all sides of the spectrum, from religion to politics to age and so forth. You've got to be willing to listen. you got to be able to find common ground. You need to focus on what you have in common without tripping over what you have different. This is the common problem, right? I, I focus on where we're different versus focusing on what we have in common. What we have in common probably is a love for human, humankind, a, a, a love for our families, a love for our country. If we don't have those things in common, then maybe we can't have a conversation at all. But it's always to try to find the common ground without tripping over what we have different. This is, this is what grace is. We find what we have in common without tripping over what we don't. This is the key to developing better relationships. Now, once you move into your EQ, you can be moving into what I'll call the AQ. And the AQ is your adversity quotient. And again, I'll talk about this in more detail, but if you're gonna move up the ladder in, in leadership, you're gonna have to have more things coming at you. Your, one of your values is your ability in a pyramid structure, a corporate structure, is your ability to handle more stuff. Because if there's more people under you in a corporation or if you are an owner and you have 10, 20, 50, 100, 500, 5,000 employees, you have to be able to handle bigger problems, more problems, more people, more diversity, legal things and political things and financial things and distribution things and employee things. And you just, the list is enormous. So your adversity quotient becomes really, really valuable. And if you're in a company or you're working for someone, they're gonna notice the person that's a bit willing to handle the hard days. Because when you work at a job, guess what? You're gonna get chewed out. There's gonna be a bad day. You may have an ornery boss. You may have an ornery coach. You may have an ornery parent. And your ability to deal with the adversity is gonna increase your value significantly. 
A lot of people feel like, oh, I had a bad day, or they go on a vacation, and all we talk about is what went wrong. That's a very low adversity quotient. I understand communicating, I understand getting help, I understand counsel and so forth, but your ability to handle adversity internally, and then it's distributed, not to other people, but to God, to your release valve, to exercise, but to deal with it in a way that it isn't spreading the problem. It just seems as though most people want to tell everybody about their problem. That's a very low adversity quotient. If I have to share with you my misery, I'm expanding the misery. Most people have an identity based on misery. Like, you need to know how much I suffer so you know who I am. That's a problem. Have you ever gone in an environment and you're like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, oh, why'd I ask? Because now I'm going to have them like for the next 10 minutes tell me everything that's wrong with their health or their kids or their business or their finances or the politics. Have you, have you ever had a situation where you really wished you hadn't said, tell me more? How's that going? Now, from a compassion standpoint, it's valuable to have that skill. It's part of your EQ is to understand and listen, absorb and help people. But as an adversity quotient, I don't want to be the person that's constantly dumping all these issues on people. I want to be the kind of person that if I, if I receive something, they say, wow, well, how does that make you feel? And, and what's your plan of action to overcome that? Versus kind of wallowing in their issue, right? I want to have compassion. I'll suffer with, but I, I'm not going to go into the situation where I'm going to relive your whole environment. It's going to be solution-based. And most people, frankly, don't want a solution, do they? They don't want to fix. They just want to be heard. They want to be validated that I suffered, I struggled. And, and you can do that very quickly and move on. Your adversity quotient is also going to be based upon your ability to handle multiple types of people. EQ builds on EQ because you're going to have turbulent people. You're going to have problem makers. You're going to have people that like to stir the pot. You're going to have people that are going to you know, come to you and say, man, I'm I just got to tell you something. It's, it's, it's kind of how things are going. It's kind of about you, but you know, it's not, but, and they want to stir the pot or they want to tell you where you're failing and they want to come at you. And you got to be able to say, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that. It's, it's a really good feedback. I'm going to give that some thought. I'll take that to God. I'm going to pray about that a bit, but, but thanks for, for sharing that. And I boom, I'm out because there are some people that that's all they want to do is tell you what's wrong. And that's part of your adversity quotient is to be able to deal with people like that. Adversity quotient is going to be when you've got two people within your team that are not getting along. How do you find ways to use your EQ to reduce the adversity? What, what happens when you've got a family issue and a financial issue and a job issue and a health issue and a grandparent issue? What are you going to do? You know what a lot of people do? They just kind of go underground, suck it up, deal with it, and they come back up. In the meantime, they stop productivity. It just wipes them out. They just, they disappeared. And I can appreciate them when it's high level, so don't don't get the impression I'm not sympathetic or empathetic to divorce or death or you know major children issues and health issues and parents. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. There, there are some things that you have to pause. You have to dig into what's going on in the world. But for the most part, people use one excuse for another. They just kind of go from fire to fire. And frankly, that's not a solid adversity quotient. One of the things that's going to impact and measure your ability to create wealth and impact is your adversity quotient. Now, as a man and being in the man makers, our ability to increase our, our capacity for adversity is a crucial component of being a man. We were given broader shoulders. We were given more dense bone. We were given more muscle mass. In general, that's obvious genetically. Why? So that we can handle more. 
more physically, more emotionally. That's our job. So don't be offended by that. Be, be blessed that the universe, God, call it what you want, believes that you can put more weight on your bar and you can handle it. Because I don't believe that adversity comes in our life as a punishment. I believe it comes as an opportunity for us to learn. That every single adversity, every single option that is a challenge serves a royal purpose. It's, it's preparing us for. You've heard me say before, but I'm exactly where I need to be to learn exactly what I need to know to get exactly what I'm asking for. So adversity is part of that school. That when I come up with something hits me in the face, I am now learning a skill that I need to be promoted. The royal purpose is promotion. And if, if we, the more we can handle, the more we can handle. Look in the weight room and any other place you want to look at. The more we can handle, the greater the impact we make in society. You think the president of the United States, Republican or Democrat, has to handle a lot of adversity? Uh, can you even imagine? Can you imagine what they have to deal with on a regular? And just wake up someone going, okay, what fell apart in the world today? But their ability to handle adversity at a very high level is what prepares them to be the most powerful human being on the planet. So the last cue I'm going to talk to you about is relational quotient. And a relational quotient is something I really want you to, to dive in on because it's your ability to protect relationships when things aren't going exactly the way you want. There's been a, there's been a social media thing that's happened where we just unfriend people, right? I'm not gonna listen to your views, so I'm gonna unfriend you. And, and you know, maybe in the digital world that makes sense to a small degree to you know, cut out stuff that's negative and nasty and since we're watching our input because our input comes thoughts, words, action, habit, character, destiny. If we don't protect our input, then we don't, then we think the wrong things and we speak the wrong things. So I understand that, but it seems as though people are willing to discard a relationship for the smallest of reasons and they have no relational quotient. They have no ability to say, wow, that's a human being that thinks differently or that's a human being that acts differently. I still wanna add value to them. They still wanna be a light in their life. They still wanna be a significant person. I mean, how many people go through just friend after friend, relation after relation? You know, when my friend asked me we'd be one of his Palm Five, I thought, well, that's kind of amazing. You've been around the world and met tens of thousands of people, maybe millions, it's a very famous family. Why would I be in your five? And I would be willing to bet that he's been discarded by a lot of people. When he went through hardships in his life, he was judged severely. And they just like, and it's amazing how we just cut people loose. And all we're doing is we're creating isolation where they can, they have to live in this misery of this pain and the struggle. So that it kind of perpetuates this, this callous, this infection of brokenness because we discard them. I mean, it's very, very common and very, very painful. Relational quotient says, I love you. I may not like what you've done, but I love you. And I'm going to protect this relationship. This action, this behavior is not consistent with the truth of who I see you as. If I don't see you as this person, then frankly, we're probably not going to be friends. If I see you as being something that's way against my moral code, we're not going to be friends. I'm not going to be friends with everybody. But one of my goals is to have a relationship with people to a point where when the fit does hit the shan, they see the relationship, not my reaction to their behavior. See, a, rela a reaction to a relationship basically says, you matter. I see you. I know you. 
these behaviors, it's ugly. It's not fun. And you know, you're dealing with that in your own way. My job is to bring you back to the truth of who you are, the greatness in you, the identity of a human being that's adding value. Because we do not need more hurting people in this world because we know hurting people hurt people. The problem is how many people are dedicated to healing people. Problem, bye. And it happens so often. I went through a horrible divorce 15 years ago now. And I thought that I had thousands of friends because of the nature of the businesses that I'd run. I couldn't believe it. And people were just like, no, you know, Brad, Brad did this, Brad did that, or Brad's going through divorce. And I, I, I don't know what their, what their process was. And it doesn't matter. It's, it's sad to me that a, a 10, 15, 20 year relationship was like, and that was probably as difficult as the divorce was itself was the fact that I could be you know, abandoned by so many people based upon a behavior versus seeing the person. And I'm not crying the blues, I'm saying as an example, I felt the sting and frankly, more than likely, I've probably added some sting in my life. I can remember a few people going back in the days of my life where we were working on some things and they made a decision quite contrary to my decision. I'm like, well, fine, get on with your bad self. And I just cut them loose. And that's terrible. I'm not, I'm not proud of that. I'm ashamed of the fact that the relationship was conditional. The relationship was for sale. That as long as you did what I wanted you to do or act the way I wanted you to do or consist with me, then we could be friends. If not, you're out. And I learned that and it wasn't until it stung me when I was the recipient of this pain that I realized, oh my goodness, Lord, I'm sorry. So we've probably all been a part of it. We're not just a victim. I'm not just a victim. I've made so many mistakes. It's one of the reasons I want to do this show is because I really want to help people either get over the mistakes like I had to or help people avoid the mistakes that I've made. I've made so many, it's ridiculous. It's just I've, I've been willing to get back up. And oddly enough, sometimes you get back up, people don't want to see you get back up. But that's where this relational quotient, you stay committed. I've been told that I'm very intentional about friendships to some point where I intimidate people because I'm so interested. I'm, and some people call that needy or clingy or whatever. And, and, and to me, it's like, look, if I meet a human being that I like, that is friendly, that has a similar moral code, that has similar ambitions and interests, I, I want to get to know that person. You know why? A, I want to see the, I want to see more of the greatness in them. I want to feed and support the greatness in them. I'm a great wingman. Can you be a great wingman in a relation? Can you be in a supportive role? Can you remember birthdays and holidays? Can you be kind? Can you be the one that sends a message? Can you be the one that reaches out? Can you be the server? Some people are like, well, I'm not going to know whoever calls me. All right, I go to the mailbox. I never get a letter. When was the last time you mailed a letter? Seriously, when's the last time you received a letter outside of an email or a Christmas card? Well, if it's not very often, send them. A relational quotient says, you matter. I care for you. And it matters the most in a culture of honor when that person fails. The relationship becomes a priority and you see the human over the behavior. You deal with the, the root cause of the behavior, you don't discard the human. The easy route is discarding the human. The hard route is loving the human through the failure, addressing and discussing what's going on behind the scenes. What gave you behavior? What gave you permission to take that behavior? Let's talk about that piece. It's common 
that people say, you make me mad, or I do things because you're mad. And I'll talk about this in, in a future episode. But people think it's okay to blame their actions on someone else's behavior. Well, since you did this, I'm doing this. I'm going to punish you with my silent treatment. I'm going to punish you with my words. You said this, I said that. You did this, I did that. And I think that's the biggest load of crap. The reason I say this is because I have to own my behavior. You didn't make me do anything. You can't. I never can say, you make me mad. I either get mad or I don't get mad. If I'm on the best day of my life and someone does something nasty, I could laugh it off if I'm in the best moods of all time. But if I'm a little bit edgy, I'm going to be just as mad as they are. That's my choice. No one makes me mad. I get mad. I own my own stuff. And that is a relational quotient, meaning I'm going to respond versus react. When you say something, I'm going to respond because the relationship matters. Not the words, not the actions, not behavior. They, they matter, but not at the same level of the relationship. Protect the relationship. Show people it's not for sale. Show people that you value it. If you're in a job, show people that these relationships matter. Up and down and cross in the corporate world. If you own a company, treat people with the highest level of respect because they were created by the same God we were. They were incredible. See the person, see the human, not the behavior. This is so crucial. And if you'll manage this and stay with this, then you will accomplish more than you can imagine. IQ, EQ, AQ, RQ. I'm sure there's more, but for now we'll leave it there. My call to action to you is give yourself a score on your IQ. I don't even know how to measure it. Let's say one to 100. 100's a genius and zero is you know, brain dead. EQ. Your ability to get along with people, all kinds of people. Score yourself. RQ, AQ. Do them all and then say, I am going to work to get better. Have someone else score you is probably the better. They can't really score your IQ. And frankly, IQ is probably the least important. But come up with a way to measure. And then you can begin to develop some KPIs, some key performance indicators around your life to start developing them. We'll talk about that later episodes. But for now... Give yourself a quick score. We're making men here. Measure yourself. See where you're at and go for it. I can't wait to see what you're like and what you become when you put your focus into being a greater man. God bless you. Man Maker Show out.